Welcome to Anthony Plogon Music. This is Eddie Ludema, the show's producer. In the bonus room, Chad talks about his book, You Earned a Music Degree. Now what? It's full of practical suggestions for students wanting to go into career in music. Thank you for joining us. And if you're enjoying these interviews, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast and help us spread the word. You're on your way to an incredible career, and um, you are already an author. Um, And the book that you've written is called You Earned a Degree in Music, Now What? Um, And you self-publish that. So before we talk about the contents of the book and your ideas about entrepreneurship and developing a career, could you talk about how you decided to go about writing a book, I guess, but especially self-publishing the book? Yeah, so so the idea of the book has been in my head for several years since when we first started talking at, uh, about you know these lectures and talks I was giving master classes I, I had this material I was teaching it I was you know doing it in usually just like one hour classes things like that but I had so much more that I was writing down and presenting and I was writing a blog for a little while about these subjects and I thought one day I want to organize it into a book but it's hard. I, you know, I was building this career. I'm, you know, play, for so many years. I was playing trumpet. I was teaching trumpet. I'm running a, my own ensemble. I'm trying to build a career outside of that ensemble, and so finding the time to do things and prioritize. So, I had all of this coming together, particularly in the last few years, the pandemic when things slowed down. And I, you know, conductors are the last people that are going to get to make music again because you need groups. <laughs> you know, everyone got to do solo shows or maybe at you know string quartet. Everyone tested you know, and, and like, okay, we're all safe. We can get together and do this, but a conductor is not needed until you have large mass gatherings, which was the last thing that we were going to have <laughs> in this pandemic. Um, so I focused more on, on some of the writing and putting things in place. And then this past summer, I decided it's now or never. I didn't have a summer gig. I wasn't doing any festival conducting or anything like that. So I said, I'm going to sit down. I'm going to organize all of these articles and things that I've come up with and streamline it and then and then get it out there. And so then came the decision of, am I going to send this out to publishers? Am I going to self-publish it? And I thought, well, if I go through a publishing house, I get their help. I get their network, their resources, all of that. Um, you'll, I would definitely get a lower royalty, which that's not what this is about. You don't write a book to make money. It's the you know the the number of people that make money off of books is 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 very small. Um, it's because I wanted this material to get out there. And so I thought, I'll go through Amazon. I'll do their self-publishing um, program through there. And this way, it, it for me, for my own entrepreneurial side of things, this, this will push me to figure out how well I can learn to market and get this book out there. And I get to see all the statistics. It's not someone else has control over it. It's like I can look it up and see the analytics and where people are buying books, where, what countries are they living in? When are they buying? How many are they buying? Are they buying it in a digital Kindle form? Are they buying it in, you know, a a paperback, a physical form? And I can learn along the way for myself and I can grow in understanding even more about this business. And so that was sort of my decision and, and I'm glad I did. And it's since I released at the end of December, 2022, it's, it's been just over a month now. And I've been really happy with the results. A lot of people have shown interest and, um, I've gotten some really nice messages from people who have shared sort of their experiences, people who've asked me questions and follow-ups about their own careers. And I know it's hitting home for a lot of people. And, and with the book, I essentially didn't want to write a, 
like a Bible. Like I didn't want to write a textbook on this. That's, you know, 500, 600 pager. And there are, there are books on this subject. There's nothing earth shattering about the subject of entrepreneurship and music. We're seeing it pop up more and more in, in curriculums and universities and conservatories. But I wanted to share what I've learned and I wanted to do it in a very streamlined process. I refer to it, the, the, the subtitle, right? It's you earned a music degree. Now what? A working musician's field guide. I wanted to create something that was very brief, but to the point. So often it would be 10 things you can do for, for this, you know, how to break into the music scene in a new city. And it's eight things that you can do or 10 things, steps for maneuvering through an audition day. And I wanted to include a challenge at the end of them, something that can hopefully motivate someone who's reading it to then actually take steps to, to changing things. Cause it is really hard and can be very intimidating to like take that first step. And so I wanted to make sure that I could hopefully maybe be there to push them a little bit to get, get the ball rolling. And so, you know, I covered everything from building a private teaching studio. Where do you find the students? How do you advertise? How do you write a teacher's bio, which I think is something a lot of people don't think about. Like you could play with a New York Philharmonic, uh, a parent with a, a 12 year old who's wants trumpet lessons might not care that you play with a New York Philharmonic. They might care more like, have you taught other 12 year olds? Um, you know, do you have students who got into regional honor bands or all state band or orchestra? Do you, have you sent kids to universities, conservatories? And so you have to tailor that. And, you know, how do you set a lesson rate? How do you deal with parents? All of that, you know, and then I do a whole section on bringing a concert to life from everything from the organizational side. How do you schedule a rehearsal? thought, you know, considerations for a venue that you're going to use for a concert. How do you advertise? How do you talk to the audience? Um, and so I just wanted to just get my thoughts and my experiences out there on, on a wide variety of, of subjects that, uh, like I say, have nothing to do with the performance, uh, the, the music itself. If you, you know, you have to, you have to be good enough to, to play, to, to give that performance and have it be something that people want to pay money for. But this book will hopefully help you with everything else that happens once you're in that stage artistically, maybe this will be what you need to help get some more exposure, shine a spotlight on what you're doing and get out there and start making connections and start, you know, building your own career. And in terms of teaching, you actually have a number of videos on YouTube that go through a lot of the different aspects of, of teaching. So I want you to help me here. Um, <laughs> this is something that I've struggled with all my life. Um, and um, I'm losing. <laughs> and that is when I was young and I was studying um, in Los Angeles, I think probably especially with, with Tom Stevens, one of the things I I think that I got it from Tom, and that's not to blame Tom at all, because Tom um, was pretty hard-nosed about a lot of things, but also extremely idealistic and artistic. But what I noticed about Los Angeles was, was that there were some people who would sort of talk their way into jobs as opposed to some people who were just great players and sort of, quote, BSers, uh, if you will. And so I've, I've always sort of taken that way too much to heart. And so when you talk, for example, of using social social media or developing yourself as an entrepreneur, I I totally get that logically. But emotionally, there's a part of me that that says, well, you know, I'm sort of copying out. You know, it should just be about the playing or about the conducting or whatever. So, what's your answer to that? Help cure me. Yeah, it, it's 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 a, it's a hard subject, and and I think you know, so many people in our industry as well maybe feel. Most people feel this exact same way. And for a lot of people, maybe it's not even who they are to want to be putting themselves out there, social media or otherwise in person. Maybe a lot of musicians I know are extremely introverted, 
they're, you know, they're extroverted on their instruments. That's the amazing thing about musicians is you can have the quietest person who speaks with a very small voice and, 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 and doesn't want to talk much in a group, but then you put them on a stage under a spotlight and, and they'll sing their hearts out, you know, and it's, it's, it's so, so incredible. So what I recommend is, is with whatever you're doing, whether it's posting something online or talking to someone that you met on the streets in a coffee shop and an arts administrator, another musician, whatever you're doing, it's okay to talk about yourself. Talk about the things you're passionate about passionately. And as long as it's authentic, it's not going to rub people the wrong way. The issue comes when you have these people like you're alluding to who weasel their way into things and then they're jerks, they're, their ego is just like, you could just sense it from across the room and you can tell they're doing it out of selfish reasons. There's nothing wrong with wanting to further your own career. The thing is, as long as you do it authentically and you share this, this excitement and this energy for what you, what you hope to do, what you aspire to do, people are going to want to help you get there. Like that's, that's what I've found to be the case. So the, my, my sort of advice is no matter how you feel about all of this, try and get out of your comfort zone, be more comfortable talking about yourself, the things you're, you're proud of, the things you, you still want to accomplish. Just start talking to people about these things. And, and when you do talk about it, as long as it's authentic, people are going to be in your corner. Like I found so many, such wonderful support systems through friends, family, people online who, who genuinely want to help me succeed. And, you know, it wouldn't have happened had I just said, oh, I hope they'd find the video of me playing my recital. It's like, no, maybe they found the video of me in an interview. You know, maybe they heard a podcast where I went out, you know, and talked to someone about my career and my struggles and the things that I'm excited about or the things I'm, I'm proud to have accomplished. So it's just, it's getting out there. I talk very briefly in the book as well about practicing socializing because I, I say like when you're an instrumentalist, you know, if, if you are struggling with the passage, you need to slow it down, look at it from a different angle, you know, shed, do some wood shedding. People don't do that with their social skills very often. If you, if you find it difficult to talk to a stranger, I recommend talking to strangers. And that's very small. I say in the book, maybe it's the coffee shop that you go to every morning. You ask the person in line in front of you, hey, what do you like here? That's it. That's, that's your conversation. But we know that public speaking is the biggest universal fear. I mean, that is the number one fear that, that humans share is public speaking. Um, so practice public speaking. And it's not big things, but just little things and it's consistency. I Actually, when I was in undergrad at Eastman, my last year, I challenged myself and I said, um, I want to try and talk to a stranger every single day for a year. So I did. So every single day for a full year, I made sure that I spoke to someone that I had never met before. And often that was that. It was maybe it was at the maybe it was at the crosswalk crossing the street. You're not being creepy. You're just just hey, you know, how are you doing? You having a good day? That's it. And maybe that that maybe that was it. Yeah, good day. Thanks for asking. Done. I just talked to a stranger, and that built so much confidence. And, and it all really snowballed out of that on how I could speak with other people. So I say, work on it, give it a try, and just do it authentically. People will smell out when there's some, you know, other motivation for doing this, when it's only self-fulfilling. But music is a collaborative thing, right? Our careers are nothing but collaboration. We can't do it on our own. So people will be there to help you. You just, you just have to get comfortable telling people what you're hoping to do. You know, it's funny. Talking about that, it just reminded me of something. I had forgotten about this, but... Oh, maybe four or five years ago, 
um, we went to a baseball game, uh, San Francisco Giants, if you remember that. And uh, with us was Brad Hogarth, who's doing great. He he's, he conducts at San Francisco State. Um, Glenn Fischel, who for many years was principal trumpet with the, the San Francisco Symphony and a legend in his own right uh, for a number of different reasons. And myself and then Ron, Ron and, and Russ Kids. And <laughs> I remember that there were a couple of women sitting in a row right in front of us. And by the end of the ball game, one of them had asked you out on a date. Um, so you really have those skills down. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody was very impressed with that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like I said, it just comes from talking to people. That's that's all it is. And and it doesn't matter who they are. I just like talking to people. I learned to like talking to people. That wasn't always who I was, but practicing it made it really exciting. And 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 I like to always say people want to meet other people. It's just everyone's kind of scared to make that first move to break the ice. So if you can be the one who builds confidence in that, your career, your life, it's just going to open up so many interesting doors that would have never been opened otherwise. Well, another question sort of regarding social media, or I guess definitely regarding social media. With social media being so prominent now, and many people really sort of um, turbocharging a career through social media, do you think it's necessary to have a big time manager? Like like Columbia Artists or IMG? Um, no, I don't. I think it's very helpful. I don't have management right now, so I'm still doing everything myself. So I'm still working, you know, day in, day out, building my career, building all these aspects, running my social media channels, doing this, you know, everything I can to get to the next steps and meeting people and networking and scheduling meetings. It really does help if you are, let's say, a soloist or, you know, you're in that 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 field or that's your goal is, is to be a big soloist or a conductor. Getting management helps with getting gigs. If you have a manager that wants to work for you, there are plenty of people who have management and the management focuses on the top couple people, you know, that right. they represent who bring in big money and they get their cut and they don't help at the bottom as much. So it's about having management that actually cares about you, that wants to help build your career that looks long-term, a manager that will tell you, no, don't take that job. That's not the right fit for you. That's not, it's, you know, don't say yes to jumping in last minute on Mahler too. That's not where you are yet. Maybe that's where you want to be, but let's hold off for now. So that's the power of good management and and that they can just, they're traveling all over and they get to, you know, tell important people who do hiring about who you are and that you exist. That's what you need from it. When it comes to social media, I think everyone should have some social media presence, not everything. You don't have to be over every platform. There's always something new popping up and there's always going to be something new. Facebook was as big as it could have possibly been, you know, a decade ago. Then it became Instagram. Now it's TikTok. You don't have to be on everything all the time, but having some sort of presence on a few of them just so that you exist. I, I talk in the book about the importance of having a business card, which at this point in life feels very old fashioned. And that that that's what is unique. When you meet someone in person, you can hand them a card with your contact information. But as soon as you mention your name and what you do and you're, you're a performer, or you're a musician, they're going to look you up. And if someone types your name and the instrument or just your name into a Google search and they don't find anything about you, that, that is an issue. At this, in this day and age, they need to be able to quickly find who you are. And that might be your social media channels or recommended quickly, your personal website, which everyone needs at this point, um, podcast interviews you've done, interviews you've done, you know, YouTube videos, whatever it might be. But if someone types in your name and the instrument or whatever it is you do, they sh it should lead right to you. And if it doesn't, that is a facet of this business that you should be working a little bit more on. Don't obsess over the people who, 
It's also obvious to people who put all of their attention on social media because guess what? The artistic product isn't there oftentimes then too. You know, yep. you can see what's lacking uh, when it's imbalanced, but you should be out there and you never know. I've gotten gigs through social media. I've gotten, I've met amazing people through there and people I would have, if I had sent a cold email to probably would have never even responded, but they see a video uh, of something that I posted or something and they reach out and they send a message and then we, then we connect and then I see them in real life and we become friends or they become a mentor or whatever it might be. So uh, don't underestimate the power of it, but also don't stress out and think you have to be doing everything and being posting things every day. That's, I, that's also not healthy. <laughs> do you think if, if where you are now, I mean, it's fantastic, but do you think you made some mistakes along the way or were there certain things that you did where you thought, oh, I shouldn't have done that and you learned and you changed direction? There definitely are. I think there's shots I didn't take, which I think is a classic thing we discuss, which is if you don't apply for something, if you don't put yourself out there, you're, the answer is always no, mm -hmm. right? And, and, and there have been conducting competitions that now I've aged out of in the conducting world. One of the only, I, I, I will call it a shortcut there is, um, is a competition. There are, and there are very few that really, really matter where the winning prize, you get some money. It's not about the money. It's you get maybe five, 10, 15 engagements with different orchestras that will be spread out over the next couple of years. All the top managers and agencies are there and you're going to get management. And those are the game changers that can help you skip a couple years of the grind of building yourself up and getting the attention of, of you know institutions and agencies and all of that. I didn't apply for some because I thought I'm not ready or the video of me doesn't look good enough or, you know, like I should have, a, I'm gonna, I have a concert, you know, the weekend of the deadline. I'm going to wait, see if I can get the video footage and get the video person who filmed it to send it to me and sync up the audio. And then I end up missing the deadline. Like I've missed deadlines. I've been too scared to apply for things in the past or just thought, talked myself out of it. Oh, there's no way they would pick me. You know, it's an international competition. Why would they pick me? I don't even, you know. I don't even have like a staff position. You know, when I had Elevate, I'm like, I'm just, I just have my own group. I don't even know, like, am I good enough to apply for this? I don't have a big resume. And so those are the big regrets for me are the things where I didn't even put myself out there. Because it's the thing I've learned is it's a numbers game. I apply for everything, anything I'm interested in that I think I could grow from, I apply for. And the number of, I've had hundreds of reject, I mean, hundreds of rejections a disproportionate compared to, I think a lot of people in other fields, like it's insane. I get, you know, I've already had a few in the start of 2023, just being honest with you, Tony, like I've already gotten rejections and, but all that matters are the opportunities that you do get. And I've had life-changing opportunities, getting new world. Uh, it was one of them, you know, some summer festival things, opportunities I've had. Um, and all it takes is one of those to then open up 10 more doors for yeah. you. So I think those are the things that I've regretted the most or when I talked myself out of even putting myself in the running for something. Mm -hmm. It's like, do you know the spaghetti theory? You know, if you throw some spaghetti against the wall, something's going to stick. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, so, yeah. so you, you just keep trying, you know, and I think, I think um, being in a situation where you get rejections, I mean, the more rejections you get, probably the more success you're going to have too, because you're trying harder. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, do you have anything um, else you'd like to say? I mean, this has been really fun. I hope it's been fun for you. Oh, I love this. It's so good to reconnect. I hope we get to see each other again, maybe catch a ball game somewhere. Have you already been Have you already been down to Miami? Have you already caught a, a game here? No, I have not. <laughs> Last summer, I went to four ballparks with Ron Kidd, um, and that was great. 
So we'll be, I'll be doing some more sometime in the future. So hopefully get it. down to Miami sometime. It'll be great. Well, let's keep in touch then. This has really been great. I really appreciate your take, taking the time. I know you're busy. I think you came off of a rehearsal this morning for you, correct? With the New World Symphony? I did. Yeah, big rehearsal. Our education concerts we're about to present for a couple thousand local students this week. And it's a, it's a, it's a crazy program. Like you said, we get to do really cool things here. And, and we bring in, we, we have a light designer we work with. We work with video projection. Um, it's just, it's a whole spectacle and, and a, we have a really fun, very crazy program. We've got some, let's see, could I dances of Galanta. We have some excerpts oh, from there. Great. Um, John Adams short ride in a fast machine, uh, an excerpt from Jennifer Higdon's concerto for orchestra, Nimrod from Enigma variations, Candide overture. It's, it's like a tour de force of a, of an education concert, but, uh, it's going to be so much fun. Really excited for it. Uh, they're keeping me busy here thankful to be busy and you know just getting to keep making music so no complaints there that's great that's great well best of luck to you we will be in touch and thanks again absolutely thanks so much tony appreciate it yeah.